Okay, this is the Brian Hornback Podcast, and this is episode 53. And we're going to start, this is obviously for those of you that, yeah, I kind of talk about what day I record it, but you know, sometimes I know those of you that are listening could care less if I record it on a Sunday, if it's January the 2nd, I, I know you don't care. But anyway, uh, we are, this is the first podcast for 2022 and it's episode 53, as I've already mentioned. And we're going to start out the first of the year with an interview before I even kind of do another podcast in the next day or two, where I kind of talk about what we did in 2021. Uh, so with that said, we're going to be interviewing, or I'm going to be, I say we, I mean, I'm going to be interviewing, or we're going to be talking to Kim Frazier. Kim Frazier is a candidate. She has picked up a petition to run as a Republican countywide for the county commission seat, District 11. Well, seat 11. Some people call it district. Some people call it a seat. I call it a seat because it's countywide, so there's not really a district. But anyway, it's the county commission seat that Justin Biggs has served for the last four years. He's running for county trustee, a job in an office that he's worked in for the last 16 or so years. And Kim Frazier is a Republican candidate for that particular seat. So, Kim, welcome to the Brian Hornback Podcast. Well, thank you, Brian, for having me. I feel, I feel so honored to be your first guest for 2022. Oh, absolutely. That just really shows that's part of the messaging is we're going to bring community back into local government. This is, this is a great way to kick that off. Hey, I, and I, I am pleased to have you. Uh, you know, let, so, so that some of the people that are listening maybe don't know about Kim Frazier. Um, you grew up, uh, I think, in Alabama on a on a farm with Christian parents. Yep. Uh, sure. fa- fast forward to uh, you married uh, Russ in 1996, and you made Knox County your home. Correct. That's correct. Been here almost 26 years, and it's all because I fell in love with a UT ball who had some deep orange roots and a passion for his community. And um, he was finishing up medical school residency at UT and. I've, I've always been a very uh, social person, very much a people person. And so it just made sense. It was, it, it made sense for us to, to put our home here in Knoxville um, because it, it's really easier for me to kind of meet new people and, and get out and engage than, than he was. He's, he's very much an introvert. He's, he's head down, get the job done. Um, and, you know, I just, I'm all over the place. So <laughs> well, it and- made a lot of sense. And as, as a former school board member from like 2000, 2004, I, I would be remiss if I didn't recognize the fact that Russ's father also was a public servant who uh, was involved in public education, Dr. Uh, Robert Frazier, uh, who was the, uh, I guess, the first principal at Farragut Intermediate right. School. And yes, uh, he, was the, he was the first and only principal until his untimely death. And um, he was such a great man and such a, a pillar um, in the in the Farragut community, and you know, we we have people all the time come to us and say, you know, your father-in-law, he just meant the world to me, and he made such an impact. And you know, I think that really shows. And in, in his son, you know, my husband Russ, he he's so passionate about his community and and public education and and just serving people. Um, and so I, you know, I'm just so honored to carry the name Frazier. You know, my dad always told me, you live a life worthy of a good name and then don't let anyone take it from you. And so I was always proud of my maiden name, but now being a Frazier, it, it really means a lot to me. 
And then we fast forward to about 2004, 2005. You had a couple of, couple of uh, young men. You had a couple. You had That's a couple right. of babies. You had a couple of babies, which have now become That's young right. men. But uh, both uh, both Jackson and Maddox are products of the public school system. Correct. That's correct. We, we like I said, we are very much um, supporters of public education. I'm I'm a product of public education. Russ is a product of public education, and. We just see so much opportunity in our school system and really had no qualms about putting them into the public school system. And, you know, I've been very active and engaged and had so many wonderful experiences just being their mom and being a volunteer. Um, And that's really how I got interested um, in local government and the way things work was, you know, my story is very similar because of my relationship with my kids and within the public school system. I I noticed very quickly how the decisions of our local officials impact me as a mother and our family and our community. And it really started with when our boys, they're 15 months apart, they're now 16 and 17, juniors and seniors. And it, it started when they were in kindergarten, first grade. And I was volunteering and wanted to eat lunch with them and I was told that they were in the process of working out the schedule because they could not um, fit all of the students and the teachers in the cafeteria. And I, I just thought that was kind of odd. Um, and so I started asking a lot of questions. And Brian, you've known me oh, yeah. <laughs> long enough now to know that I, I tend to ask a lot of questions, which can really be a person's strength um, in So I just started asking questions, doing what I do. And in those conversations, I found that um, we really, I I personally was not paying attention and I really needed to pay attention and get engaged. And so I started learning about the local government process, how things um, impact our school systems, our roadways, our utilities, um, all of it, just really all of it. And it all boiled down to, I, I wanted to present the facts and data. I'm very much a data-driven person, and I feel like decision makers need to be well-informed, and you can't make decisions blindly. And so by nature, I, I love to research, and I love to just kind of dig into things. And at the time, I started having conversations with you know other parents, um, teachers, administrators, local officials, both in the school system and our local government, uh, planning commission, our department heads, just really getting a feel for the process and how things work. And I was just, I was so overwhelmed by it all. And, and then learning about all of the layers of process and the steps that needed to be taken just to have a conversation about overcrowding and growth and are we at a place within our local government that we need to add a school? And so I spent two years of my life working with all of those folks that I mentioned and advocating for the addition of a middle school in the Hardin Valley area and then also a middle school in the Gibbs area. And to do that, I was, again, caught off guard by the money that needed to be spent to do certain studies and plans just to um, validate the information really that 
we had already provided to our decision makers, but yeah. it, it was just, it was just a layer of process that I thought, wow, you know, that $200,000 to do a sector plan update could have really helped our schools a lot. Um, so I, along the way, I just, I really, I, I love policy. I love process. I was a healthcare administrator. Um, and then I moved into human resource management for a local entertainment lighting company and personnel management just really became a passion. Well, and, and, yeah. And, and, you know, we, we talk about that and, you know, what's funny about it is once we get, once we start looking under the rock of government, we realize, <laughs> we, we realize what sometimes how ugly it really is. And that is um, how certain interests uh, always have to make money off something. Um, sure. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's really interesting. But then, you know, if we fast forward, obviously Hardin Valley, I mean, and nobody can dispute that Hardin Valley needed a middle school. I mean, when, when the elementary school was built and then the high school was built, I mean, you know, you would, you would think um, that, you know, you would build the elementary school, then you build a middle school, then you build a high school. But, you know, as government happens, um, it was an elementary school, then a high school. And, oh, by the way, we'll do a middle school. Um, but obviously people started looking at Hardin Valley. I mean, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's just like when um, A.L. Lott's elementary school was built in the early 90s. Uh, nobody knew anything about the farmland that that was around bluegrass and and um, and in that southwest corridor. But you build an elementary school out in the middle of farmland in Hardin Valley, and all of a sudden, you know, these farms now become um, they become um, worth something. They work become worth something. So now, yeah. you know, so yeah. then, so then after you know after you got through that. That middle school, I'm assuming that's when you kind of, and you were doing some of that research. That's when you kind of decided that we need to start looking at uh, where all these developments are popping up, and that's how you then yes. helped to create the Hardin Valley Planning Advocates. Uh, is that's that, right. Is that the right term? That's, Did I get yeah, it right? Yeah, that's okay. right. So you know, for the for the middle school, we created a, a an organized community group uh, called Hardin Valley Sports and Middle School, and that's how we kind of organized and. and worked on our messaging and, and throughout that process, as I said, I got to know a lot of the people within local government and in the departments and, and really they came to me and they said, you know, we've been really impressed by the way that you have presented. Um, and, and we really think that you could be a bigger voice. Um, and we, we need citizens to speak up and to get involved and engaged. And, you know, when, when you're pursuing the building of a school for a community, it's kind of a sprint. Um, mm. You know, at the same time, we, we did ask them to go ahead and put another elementary school on the five-year right. capital plan and start planning for that. Um, and also to take a look at the town of Farragut, um, which they also put on the, the capital right. plan. But it was a sprint. And so I realized what they were asking me to do was kind of a marathon. Um, because in my research and what I had learned about you know, the state mandated growth policy plan and then county general plans and then sector plans and corridor plans and small area plans, you know, it, it seemed, it felt very much like they were asking me to run a marathon. And so I I took some time to think about it. And as I said, I had already connected all the dots and realized that a good solid infrastructure in a community or in a municipality 
really touches everything. It touches the economy. It touches job creation and opportunities for our young people. It touches career exploration. It touches our social and recreational offerings, our houses of worship. I mean, it really touched everything. And I became so passionate about it, um, especially because of where I live. Hardin Valley is the fastest growing area in all of Knox County. And once I really started digging into this, I started reaching out to other community members throughout Knox County and finding that citizens really had the same concerns. And that was, we're kind of backing into infrastructure. Um, and so in doing that, I, I really connected with people in every corner of our county and realized that they they were very overwhelmed by the local government process and did not know or understand how to bring awareness to the needs and visions of their communities. And so it really was just giving them kind of a path, if you would, you know, just a way to craft their message and who to talk to and connect them and build bridges and relationships. And, you know, that's what local government should be about. It should be about public service. And it should be about communities and people. And, you know, that's what I tell people is that I have been showing up when it was about people and community, not a campaign or an election. This isn't something that I want to dabble in. This is mm -hmm. a way to deepen my commitment to people and community and help them raise awareness of their needs and their visions I mean, we have citizens who have lived here for generations and they still don't feel heard. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've got to give them a voice. And by doing that, by taking care of the people who already live here and they're raising their families and they're doing business here, we're not only taking care of them and improving their daily quality of life, we are positioning ourselves as a county to be more attractive to new residents and new businesses, small and large. And so in all of that, I just found, wow, you know, infrastructure is just, you know, it has so many tentacles and it touches so many things that are really, really important to just improving the quality of life of our citizens and hopefully our future citizens. So what's the, what, so, you know, granted, I, I know that you're running, uh, you're running countywide and, and there's a lot of new, what what happened five or six years ago in Hardin Valley is probably getting ready to start happening out in the Gibbs community, out in the Cointer community, yes. and and you know eventually over into the Carter community, obviously. But but what is the? I know that there's been there's been a lot of recent. So in order in order for a farmland to go from farmland to a subdivision. Obviously, it goes to the Metropolitan Planning Commission, which is a which is appointed by the the you know there's right. there's appointments from the city, there's appointments from the county. Uh, that, it's got to go through it's got to go through that 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 plan staff first. Then it goes to the MPC. Then it goes to the county commission. But right. to really talk about Hardin Valley, how much more available <laughs> land is there that? is wide open space. I, I suspect there's not much. Right. So to put it in perspective, um, in, in the year 2021, 
and this is information that my group we commissioned um, on our own to to get this information from our our planning department this isn't information that's readily available and just out there for our decision makers like the planning commission who as you said it is it's an important body there are i think eight from the county mayor seven from the city mayor um they are they are appointed and this is information that they would have to request or seek this is an information that's provided to them to make decisions on a month-to-month basis and so to put it in perspective in Hardin Valley in 2021 there were 2,653 lots approved that are still not under construction wow there were 1,900 homes that were built. So we have 2,600 homes, single family dwellings that have been approved by the planning commission and have gone on to county commission and have been approved that are yet to be built in the Hardin Valley area. We saw over 588 acres um, rezoned last year Mm. it's incredible um and so you know the the first thing that i like to tell people and they don't understand this but this is just i like to share things that i've learned you know we tell people we're not experts we can only share the experiences we've had and what we've learned along the way in hopes that it will help other citizens understand the process and and better um their their messaging and so you know, I tell people when you look at the map that is in the growth policy plan, which is, you know, there's been, you've heard the arguments that it's sunset, it hasn't sunset. We tend to believe that the map that belong that is in the growth policy plan is still active because it's still used as reference on the month to month planning process. Um, and so what that map did is it identified planned growth areas, areas where you want to grow and you should have services and infrastructure utilities in place, the urban boundaries, which are transitional areas, and then your rural areas. Where do you wanna preserve the landscape that makes East Tennessee beautiful? Um, And so that map is often referred to on planning requests for rezonings or sector plan amendments. Those are also um, amended every month. And so in the Hardin Valley area, what, what struck me when I first started digging into all of this is that they built the elementary school on the border of a planned growth area. Mm. So common sense tells you that's going to push your development into the rural areas that you've identified you want to preserve. So then that, that really started, <laughs> I started asking a lot of questions and how are we going to prepare for this? Because as you know, and I know, Schools tend to drive development, and then development drives roads. It's it's kind right, of it's right. it's it's backwards of what you would think. Right. Um, and so I knew the area very well, and a lot of two lane roads. And you know, Harden Valley had been improved probably five to ten years previous, and and actually, you know, I wasn't a part of this effort, but at the time, Harden Valley was going to be, I believe, five lanes and the community pushed mm. back. And that's why you see that we, we have three lanes right. up until a certain point. 
but um so that's why that's when I became really interested in planning and positioning our county in a way that we could be fiscally responsible both in an economic way and also in a physical way um and so that's when I, I really just <laughs> I just dug in um and learned so much in the process like you said it is overwhelming um and the time frame is very short so by the time that a citizen sees a zoning sign a rezoning or a sector plan amendment sign on a piece of property they literally have 10 days right. to organize show up and then they get five minutes to you know to, to talk before planning commission um, and then it goes on to county commission and they kind of have to do it all over again mm. if it was approved or not. But, um, but now it just, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, just to, just to kind of bring this, and we're, well, obviously I'm going to have to have you back on before, before the election to talk about what, what you're going to do as, as county commissioner. But, but just sure. to, just to kind of put a bow on this and bring this one to a close, you know, you're not, you're not against development you're not you're not against home builders Uh, so you know just kind of just kind of put a bow on that and and then i'll uh i'll I'll let you go but yeah just just kind of explain you know kind of kind of how you see things from your perspective that you know you're not you're not just the homeowner advocate but that you're you know kind of kind of how how you see that Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I also like to tell people too. you know, I kind of get put in a box when it comes to planning and land use that that's really, I am so much more than that. So I tell people, you know, go to my website, elatekimfraser.com, learn all about me. I have served in numerous ways. I counted counted just now, not just now, but before we got on, I counted, you've been in 52 different positions uh, in your 26 plus years. Uh, so, so, you know, people do need to understand that before, before we, we finish this podcast and before we're able to record another one in the future, you know, people need to understand that, you know, you're, you're far more than just the, the Hardin Valley planning advocates. You, you, you served as vice, you've been on the Knox County government ethics committee, you're vice chair of that you were appointed to that by the County mayor. Uh, and so you've, you've done a lot of other things. I just don't want people as, as we're coming to a close on this one that people um to set you know to think that you're right because yeah i've been in politics i've run for public office three times once successfully uh and so i know that people have a tendency in political campaigns to put people in a box and so you know i just didn't want that to to happen it's unfair to any 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 person seeking public office it is and and you know to your point i have never never opposed growth and development um never um in fact i support intentional growth with coordinated infrastructure and so basically if you want to build it then let's just make sure the roads utilities and schools can handle it you know like i said we've done a lot of backing into infrastructure and you know i just i want us to be intentional um you know i am fiscally conservative and so when i when i see that in the Hardin Valley Transportation Plan, they've identified $140 million of road improvement projects that are needed. And then I know that our Knox County engineering 
annual budget countywide is $23 million. <laughs> It, it kind of makes me go, you know what? I think we can do better. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's why I'm doing this. That's really why I'm doing this because over the last five years, I've really been advocating with our county governments to, to create a comprehensive land use transportation and park plan, something that will address public safety and job creation and market trends and our schools. And, you know, I, I have just, I've stayed very, very um, persistent in doing that. And I'm happy to say that our current county mayor and our county commission have approved the funding to do that, to create um, a comprehensive plan. And so now more than ever, it is so critical that we elect people who understand this process and understand the tools and the resources that doing something like this will provide our county for not just short-term improvements, but long-term improvements. Um, and, you know, it's just, it touches on everything. So I always find it amusing when people ask, you know, well, what's your plan? <laughs> I find it amusing that people even come into local government with a plan because you and I both know it's, it's much, much harder than that right. and much, much more difficult. And so this is something that as a citizen is already coming to fruition with our County. And I just, you know, I really want to see it through and we've got to have someone on commission who understands and can, can get the best positive outcome out of this plan and i I'm, i just know i'm the right person to do it well i think i think yeah. you've i think you've done really well in, in tying this first podcast up with kim frazier and as as kim has mentioned she has a website electkimfrazier.com uh go check that out uh and uh, you can read about kim you can read about uh, all of the activities that she's done over the last 25 plus years in knox county and uh you can also read about uh not just what we've talked about today, but other things. And Kim, uh, thank you for coming on the Brian Hornback podcast. And we will definitely have you back on before April the 17th, I believe is when early vote starts uh, the 17th through the 28th, I think something like that. But anyway, the yeah. big, the big deal is that uh, February, May the 3rd is the Republican primary. So we'll definitely That's have right. you on again before uh, early vote starts. And um, thanks for being on this Brian well, Hornback thank podcast. Thank you.